uh, Church in the Valley. Good morning. I am I'm on two feet. Um, so praise God for that. Uh, if you've not been here the last uh, while, um, I had an injury on my leg. I ruptured my Achilles tendon in, in May, and uh, wow, I feel so like tall. Like all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, you guys are so far down there. Um, I've been sitting for the last uh, eight weeks, nine weeks, uh, because I haven't been able to put weight on my leg. And as of Monday of last week, I was able to start uh, weight bearing. And so I had an injury, and then I re-injured it. And so I'm kind of moving towards getting to use my leg again. And so I've started uh, walking, and uh, I have a cane. And so I moved from the scooter to the cane, still in the boot. And then eventually I'll get back into a shoe without a cane and, and all that good stuff. So... Uh, it's good to be standing in front of you uh, today, and uh, we're really glad that, that you're here, like Barry mentioned. Uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, called Immeasurably More that we started last week, and we've been looking at uh, really the importance and the reality of the generosity of God. And we do that because as we were looking at Thanksgiving and as we're kind of facing Christmas, uh, there's a sense in which generosity is something that... that we all hear about and it's talked about and you, you experience. And so we, we decided, you know what, why don't we kind of go back to where does generosity come from and how, how can we actually be people uh, that, that give and that are generous and are willing to open up our resources uh, to others. And so we want to spend uh, time doing that, looking at the source of, of generosity. Uh, before I do that, I want to define what generosity is because we hear that, you want to be a generous person, um, but I thought we'd just look at the dictionary. So Merriam-Webster defines it like this, you'll see, freely giving or sharing money and other valuable things, providing more than the amount that is needed or normal, abundant or ample, uh, showing kindness and concern uh, for others. And so that's just a general kind of different facets of what it means uh, to be a generous person. And certainly at Christmas, if you're like me, I don't know if you've been, been going to stores and uh, you begin to hear this on TV and in the different movies that you watch this time of year. There's the idea of the Christmas spirit. You guys heard that before. It's, it's the time to be in the Christmas uh, spirit. It's kind of this, this attitude uh, that's supposed to translate into action, which means um, look, look out for people. Maybe not be as uh, impatient as you may normally be. Uh, be willing to share with others. And it's really kind of a, a definition of what it means to be a generous person. This time of year, we're encouraged to be in this type of Spirit, to have this attitude that translates into action. This idea of let's, let's be generous. But what's really interesting is that it's also the biggest time of the year where we're so concerned and inundated with taking. It's true. So on one hand, we're supposed to be generous and more generous, in fact, than any other time of year, it seems, based on what we're told in the culture and in the media and just in stores as you go about town. But at the same time, we're kind of told to take and take and take and take. And so there's really a tension that, that we all have between giving and taking. And that's kind of what consumerism is all about. And we just had Black Friday. Does anybody know what, what tomorrow is? Cyber Monday, right? And, you know, you have Sunday in between, but you've got Black Friday. Then you've got Cyber Monday. And it's kind of this idea of, like, now's the time to get the deals. Now's the time to get kind of all your Christmas shopping Done, and, and it's actually a really big deal. And what, what I realized is there's no shortage of ideas for things that you can get. 
you get emails of like this deal is coming, you go to stores, you see billboards. There's just a sense in which it's the time to take. It's the time to take because this price is only going to happen this time of year. In fact, I was on the computer the other day and I saw this for sale. It's a clip-in man bun. So you'd say, you know, I just, if you're a guy and you're like, you know, I, I think it's time for me to have a bun on the back of my head. You actually don't have to grow it. You can purchase that on Groupon. Can you believe that? And so mine's coming. So next Sunday, <laughs> just kidding, That's, that won't happen. But I thought that was interesting. It's kind of like that, that really sums up. And if like you wanted to do like bleached bun, you could do blonde, even if you're a brunette, you know, and all your dreams can come true. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting because there's no shortage. I, when I saw that, I, I was like, that, that can't be real. But what if you're a guy and you really just want a man bun, but you don't have time to grow it? There's an app for that. <laughs> there really is. You, you can buy it. And that's all fun, you know, and, you know, we can laugh about that. But that really does epitomize this time of year. There's no shortage of things to get and to take. And there's all sorts of deals to, to encourage that. So you have on one hand this Christmas spirit, this attitude, looking out for each other. Be generous. Be patient. And on the other hand, it's like get, 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 take, take, take. And I think at Christmas, there's just this tension that really represents actually life. But you especially see it this time of year. And the tension is that we live between giving and taking. There's a tension there. On one hand, we want to give. But on the other hand, we also want to receive. We also want to take. And there's a real, real tension there. And it's not just in material things. If you have a relationship with somebody that you really care about, uh, you want to, to give to them. You want to give them your time. You want to give them uh, your, your affection. You want to show them that, that you care. But there's also a part of any relationship where you, you ask the taking thing. Well, what, what is it that they're going to want from me? And so you don't just see it in stuff. You see it in relationships. There's always this, what am I supposed to give, and then what is it going to cost me? There's always a tension there. And we really live there. It's like, I'm willing to give, but what about me? What am I going to get in return? And this tension is real. It causes us to, to actually be stressed out at times. It, it causes us to, to be maybe in, in fear. We're not sure how much I can give based on how much I'm going to get from somebody or something. And you really see it this time of year, especially. But what's interesting is because that's something that we really struggle with, this also is translates and it kind of moves into how we view God. And a lot of times as we approach God, we're asking the same question. Is God more of a giver or is he a taker? We ask that without even realizing it. We're trying to, as we approach God, and we try to figure out what it means to follow him, or maybe we're just exploring Christianity, we're, also, we're always asking this. Is, is God more of a, a giver or, or a taker? What is he going to give me, and then what is he going to take from me? And so that tension that we have in life also we experience in our relationship with God. We all do. And we ask that. And it, and it comes subtly. Sometimes we approach God and we think, if I follow him and... I agree to follow him. He's going to give me all that, that I want. Like he can be a magic key that will just take care of, of all my problems. Or the opposite is true. We, we don't approach God 
Because we think if we go towards him, he's going to take everything away from me. He's going to take everything away from me. And that causes great fear. Because if he's a taker and not a giver, then I'm going to be left in this relationship just at a negative. I'm not going to have anything left. And oftentimes, that question, we're all asking whether we, we realize it or not. Specifically, when we think of God taking things, there's, there's a few things. And I have some, some prop ups here, props up here that represent things that we're concerned that, that God will take. The first thing is, this cell phone, this represents like our freedom. The reason I did this is because our freedom is really found in our calendar, what we do with our time. And I was trying to find a paper calendar, and I realized, like, I have no idea where you get those anymore. And I just use this electronic. I know there's some people that, like, you love a paper calendar. I just don't have one. And so this represents the freedom, because that represents our time. And so one of the things we're asking as we approach God is, uh, what's he going to do with my freedom? Will I have any time left for me? What's it going to cost me? Will I still be able to do the, the things they want to do? Uh, so we, we struggle with that. Another thing, this is, a, uh, this is an iPad. It's my kid's iPad, in case you didn't know by the orange. Uh, but, but we think, fun. What, what's going to happen? Is God going to take my fun? Now, on an iPad, you've got games, right? I mean, what else do you use an iPad for? Come on. Let's admit it, it's just for games, at least for my kids. But it represents fun. It's an idea, you know, I can, I can escape, I can turn this on, I can get to Candy Crush, I can get to whatever games I really, really like, and I can play it. But that's something we ask. Is God going to take my fun away? Is he going to take kind of this experience of just being able to enjoy life? And we ask that a lot. And the last thing is, is our wallet. So is God going to take away my, my finances? So he, he may take my, my freedom what I do with my time, he may take my fun, what I do just to kind of let loose in life and just relax, but is he going to take my finances too? Is he going to take my resources away? And all three of those really dictate a lot of how we experience God. And what happens in life is that because we live in this tension of giving and taking, we impose that onto God. And we really see him as someone who a lot of times is just going to kind of take everything away from us that we really want. And that causes a barrier. And because that barrier is there, we, we don't have a relationship with God that's actually right. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about the fact that, that God is actually, first and foremost, he, he's not a taker at all. He, he is, he's a giver. In fact, God has established generosity. We cannot be generous without God. It's his idea he initiates, and he always has. And so I want to flip that script. Instead of it being all the things that he's going to take, whether it's my fun, my freedom, my finances, what if my view of God is not true, and instead of all the things that I think he's going to take from me, he actually wants to give me things. He wants to give me this new life that he has for me. That would really impact our experience in life. And so it starts with how we see God. First and foremost. And so we want to talk about the Christmas story today because that really does represent the most generous gift that, that God's ever given and it's through the sending of Jesus Christ. And so through sending Jesus, God gave us immeasurably more than, than we could ever imagine. And that's the name of, of this series and our family Christmas service and the women's ornament exchange. This idea of immeasurably more. Because we want to celebrate the fact that God has given us 
Jesus Christ. And because of that gift, we actually can't even fathom how generous God has been to us. Ephesians 3.20 is the verse that has this. And it says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the, according to the power at work within us. Um, so that far more abundantly, that, that verse, this measure, it's far more abundant. We can't, we can't fathom how much, it's like we can't hold it in our hands. It doesn't fit. It's abundantly more. There's no way to actually get our mind around what God has given to us through Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about the Christmas story today. And you probably have heard it, and you may have already read it this, this year. But in that story, you really get a glimpse again of, of who God is, his character, and the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. And it's a few verses, about seven verses in Luke chapter 2. This is where you find the Christmas story. And so you can follow along on the screen. I'm, I'm going to read it aloud. And this is just the account of Christmas. This is what we celebrate. It says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. And she gave birth, that's Mary, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Containing those verses is this historic event that changed the world. And this time of year, people just want to focus on, let's focus on the real reason of Christmas, and, and this is actually it. It's the fact that God sent Jesus to our world. And he gave to us his son. And so when we kind of think about God and what he wants from us, it begins with not what he wants, but what he's given. And it's Jesus. He gave us Jesus. He took the initiative. He sent us the Savior. And so in there, you, you see a few things happening in the story. Um, you see that the, the shepherds were there in the field. And the glory of the Lord, and it's kind of this description of this great light. We don't exactly know what that looked like, but the shepherds are there in the field. It's kind of a normal night, and all of a sudden this great light that no one has ever seen was around them. He says that, and they were, they were filled with, with fear. And sometimes you read that, but imagine, you know, you're just out in the field and you're a shepherd, you're kind of minding your own business, and you're just kind of trying to get some rest, and you're making sure the sheep are where they need to be, and all of a sudden just this light that's just almost blinding. It says that they were filled with, with great fear. I think that's interesting because I think that is at the core of us. There's a fear that we have. And if I'm a shepherd and I'm in a field and I'm minding my own business and all of a sudden this great light almost blinds me, I don't know what's going to happen. Is this the end of the world? But they were filled with, with fear. 
And it's so interesting because the first thing that the angels, the angels said to the shepherd was, fear not. Don't be afraid. And I think that's so interesting. In the story of God sending Jesus and giving us this precious gift, it began with our response, which was fear. And the only way that they were going to understand what was happening is they had to look past the fear that they experienced. I've never really looked at it there before, but if you think that, that's, that's amazing. It starts off with, this is what happened. The glory was here. Jesus was born. And the people were filled with fear. And they're instructed, don't, don't be afraid. And they go on to explain why. And that description of, of why is so interesting. But you actually have to think about the fear. Why would they be told to not fear? I don't know about you, but I, I face fear in my life, a fear of the unknown, a fear of things aren't going to work out how I want, a fear of just things that I hope to happen doesn't happen, fear that the relationships I have may not be as good later, and all the stuff related to the future, related to my finance, all sorts of things that can just ramp up. But if you don't deal with fear, everything you see in your life is, is tainted. Fear has a way of tainting what we see. In relationships, if it's based in fear, we tend to not want to help people because we're thinking they're going, to, they're going to take something from me. There's no trust. Fear erodes trust in relationships. Fear takes the joy out of life. So the angels, they knew this. You Don't be afraid. It's this way of saying, if, if you're full of fear, you're going to miss the best thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. Don't be afraid. And it was labeled, this is good news. Don't be afraid, for I bring you good news. And there's a description of Jesus that I just want to highlight. He's called the Savior, Christ, and Lord. And that's why it's good news. That's why they didn't need to be afraid. And this represents what God gave. A lot of times we think, he sent his son. That's what we celebrate Christmas. But if you really think about that, the scriptures describe so many things of what that actually meant. First off, he's called the Savior. If you go back to the biblical account and creation, God gave us all life, and it started with Adam and Eve, and they sinned. They decided to go their own way. And ever since that time in history, sin has tainted all of us. We all deal with it. That's why things get messed up. That's why relationships can go sour. That's why we're stressful. That's why... We're in fear. It's because of sin. So by the sinning of Jesus, when he's called Savior, he's saving us from sin. He's saving us from despair. He's saving us from fear. So that title of him, he's Savior, that if he, he actually came to save us, to give us hope, to reconnect us with God. But what exactly is he re- reconnecting us to? Well, the second word, Christ, actually is this idea of he's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the king. So the Savior saves us from our sin, from our fears, from all the worries that we have. And he's the Christ. He connects us as the king to the kingdom of God. So in a way, we're, we're, we're rescued. We're rescued from these things that just freak us out in life, the unknown. We're connected to a kingdom that, that can't be overcome. 
that can't be overthrown. So he's the Savior. He saves us from our sin, and he connects us to God's kingdom. That's what makes him the Christ. And then the last is, he's the Lord. And that's kind of the idea of, he's the ruler. He's going to lead. So if you could imagine, the shepherds at this time, they're just kind of overcoming this, this great light, this being overwhelmed. But they're told he's going to be the Savior. He, he's come to save us. He's come to save you. He's Christ. He's representing the kingdom of God. And then he's Lord. Like, he will actually lead. And so you can imagine at the time, well, wasn't he just born, this baby? How was that going to happen? But it was really a prediction of what was to come. The fact that he was going to live his life. He was going to show us the kingdom of God through what he did, through what he said, through the attitude he had. And then he was going to save us by dying on the cross and rising again. This is a description of who he is and what he was going to do. And this all flows out of God giving us Jesus Christ. So the ultimate generosity is found in that act. Now again in scriptures, if you read in the Old Testament, they were awaiting this Messiah. Because they were told that there's going to be this Messiah that's going to come and save Israel. And they were all waiting for this. And in fact... There's a prophecy found in Isaiah 9 which describes the coming of Christ. And this is so fascinating. When you get into the scriptures, uh, you don't just read a story in the New Testament and say, well, that, that was a great story. But it's actually connected to the entire theme of the scriptures, this Messiah, this hope, this Savior. And this was written like a thousand years before Jesus ever came. Check this out. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace again this was written before jesus ever came but that matches exactly what the angel told the shepherd told the shepherds this is the kind of messiah he's going to be he's going to be savior he's going to be christ he's going to be lord He's going to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The reason I bring that up is oftentimes it's so easy to think like we celebrate Jesus, but we actually don't take the time to think, well, what, what do we have in Jesus Christ? Why is that such a generous gift? And again, this is a description of who he is. So you think wonderful counselor, this is this idea that he can actually bring clarity and he can help us in the things that we face. He's a counselor. He directs us. He coaches us. There's this relationship that you see. He's also the, the mighty God, that there's a strength that he has. The reason why this gift is so awesome is because of this strength. It actually gives us hope. I don't know about you, but I get in spots where I just, I feel like I don't have the strength. I don't have the energy. I, I find myself saying, I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. But God is saying, I sent you Jesus Christ, mighty God, full of strength, everlasting Father. There's not a time that he's not existed and will not exist. He's not contained in times we might miss him. There's a relationship with that Father. There's love there. And then last, Prince of Peace. This is a description of the gift. The Prince of Peace. 
And I was thinking about, you know, that, that tension again, the giving and the, and the taking. And a lot of times why we're so kind of concerned with what things are going to cost and sometimes what we're concerned with is we're filled with fear is because deep down we, we long for these things. And we talked about that a little bit last week. But we, we long for security. We long for stability. We long to be taken care of so we're not fearful. And what Isaiah 9 is saying, what Luke 2 is saying is that in the person of Jesus Christ, that has already been given. We can have security, we can have stability, we can have strength. Because that's what God sent us out of his generosity. So it's amazing if you actually take the time to, to slow down and think about that. So is God a giver or a taker? Well, the question's already been answered, but it's an interesting response at the end of that story in, in Luke 2, and it ends with this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among them, peace among those with whom he is pleased. There's really a twofold response to this gift that you see. And so you see in the beginning, there was this angel talking to the shepherds. This is what's happening. Jesus is born. Don't be afraid. He's the Savior. He's the Christ. He's the Lord. There's a description. They're just explaining. Here is the reality of the gift. Here is what just happened. Jesus came to dwell among us. And then it shifts to this multitude. So there's this idea that, okay, let's gather all the angels here. And what we're about to say is worthy of this multitude of angels. It was like they had a reporter. It was just one. But then the multitude, like this is the greatest news. So we need to just proclaim it so you guys get what just happened. And this is their response. Glory to God in the highest and peace to those here on the earth. That really represents our response that we all have to choose as we look at this generous gift. Glory to God is this idea of praise and attention and and focus. There's many things that want to gather our attention in life, whether that be our family or our fun or our freedom, our finances. There's many things that kind of we swirl around. We kind of make the center of things. What the angels proclaimed in their multitude is that the generosity of God demands that we give glory to God. We give him our attention. And all the things that are pulling after us, whether they're stresses, whether they're good, whether they're bad, glory to God in the highest. And then peace among those on the earth. So the idea during this time of year and actually throughout all the years, how do I give attention to God? How do I focus on the things that really matter? Well, a big part of that is you, you actually, part of how you give glory to God is you give him your time. And so you begin to see it comes full circle. The very thing we're concerned with, what is he going to take? Once we realize what he's given, we actually want to freely give it back to him. And that's how God designed it. He didn't come to take. He came to give. And out of him giving Jesus, we actually want to give back to him. See, oftentimes we kind of think we're giving out of an empty well. 
There's nothing. It's dry. There's nothing to give. But when you go back and you look at what God has given us, you realize that you, you have this love that's overflowing with Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. You, you connect to the source. You connect back to God. And you turn to Jesus to lead your life. And you connect to this well that's overflowing with God's goodness to us. And as you connect with that, you realize, how can I not give? How can I not be generous? Because that is who God is. And so both of those are the response. We have, to, we have to give God glory, our attention, our time, our focus. He has to be the main thing. And we build our life around that and about him. And then the peace is also what we need. And it's peace with God, because again, he's Savior. It's peace within ourselves. Because when you realize that you don't have to give in to fear and anxiety and worry and try to solve your own life, when you realize that you connect to a mighty God who's everlasting and wants to give you peace, it actually provides hope when it's hopeless. This is real. It's very poetic as you read the scriptures, but it's real. It describes a real relationship. So as you give God your attention, you realize that you can get peace within yourself because you're actually talking to him, who's the counselor, about all the worries and fears that we have. And then we can have peace with others. We can have real unity because we're not just trying to take all of things from a relationship and fearful of what people are trying to take from us. We realize that I can give freely my time, my resources, my attention to others because God has given freely to me. So this, just, this, this is overwhelming when you kind of get to the core of what God has done for us. He has given us immeasurably more than we could even ask. We don't even have the words to ask him for the gift that he gave us. And we can't even imagine it. That's what Ephesians 3 says. It's like we can't even formulate an idea that can be in our head to actually match what he gave us in Jesus Christ. So it is the best news and it's the best gift ever. And so it comes full circle. As you realize that God is not a taker but a giver, then again, you're, you're actually willing to begin to ask, well, then what, what do I do in response to that? And it goes back to what we started with. So how, how does God want me to be generous? So that's the question. In response to God's generous gift, how, how can I be generous? So what, is, what does that mean for me? And it goes back to the, the same three things. So my freedom. As I look at my calendar, God's given me so much that, that I actually I have time because he's given me time. And I can invest in people and I can make the time to spend with him. So instead of just trying to figure out how I can protect everything that he's given me, I'm willing to, you know, God, you can have my freedom. Because as I give it to you, I get more and more free. So it's very counterintuitive. And then as you look at your fun and the things that we want to do to kind of enjoy life, it's not just about games. It's not just about me time. It's actually, again, fun is, is defined by doing something that is enjoyable. So when you get to know God, you actually kind of, kind of shift what's enjoyable to you. And again, spending time with God, getting time with people, investing in kingdom things, those can actually be fun. Those can be the things that when you do it, there's nothing like it. And then last, finances. 
So if, if God has given me so much, then, then I actually don't have to be so concerned with letting go of the money that, that God wants me to give to people, to give to his church, to give to needs that people have. But again, we don't have to just come up with that ourselves. It's a response to the generosity of God. And so I, I just want to encourage you as, as I wrap up, there's a, a few next steps that you can take today. And it really is, again, the most important thing to, to realize all that we've been given. And so if you've never connected with, with God through Jesus Christ, and you've never decided to follow him and become a Christian, that's a decision that, that you can make. You can decide that you want to connect to the generous God and, and actually turn to Jesus Christ to lead your life. So if you've never done that, you can mark that on your connection card on that first next step. Uh, the second is, ask God to show me any areas of my, of my life where I take more than I give. So when you look at your, your life and the arenas of it, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your fun, your freedom, your finances, is there areas where you tend to take more than you give? Because oftentimes that's where God wants to work because he wants us to reflect him. And so you may just want to take some time to think through that. And the third is consider ways to be generous this week in my, and you can go back to how, how can I be generous in, in, my, in my fun? So I have time to just enjoy myself and relax and wind down. And maybe there's something that you could do to actually help somebody or get time with somebody, encourage somebody. And the same with your finances, or the same with your freedom. And so I encourage you, just out of this response, out of the generosity that God's given us, what can I do in, in, in view of that? And so it just may take some time just to kind of think through that. And for me personally, one thing I do is I, I just have to reflect on who God is, not all the time what I'm supposed to do. So maybe you just need to read the Christmas story again and, and see this gift, who we have in the person of Jesus Christ. I want to share just a little gift, a, a little gift. I actually don't have a gift to give you, sorry. I want to share a little story um, that happened this past, this past week because it, it shows the generosity of God. And it was, it was something small, but God really used that to just encourage me. I was, I was shopping. Everything I've been saying about giving and taking, I was, I was taking and I, I was shopping, and we were looking for this, this deal um, for my kids. And every time I go out to the store around this time of year, I just, God, help me not to show up on the news. You know, that just help me not to, help me not to do that. With God's help, I haven't been on the news yet. But we were looking for this DVD player. We're going to travel over Christmas and this portable DVD player for the kids to watch during our road trip. And there was a deal at a major store that was like, Let's see if we can go get it. And we're looking everyone electronics because it was a DVD player, and we can't find it. And I'm asking workers, and they're looking at their map, and they don't know where it is. And finally, a worker's like, it's in, it's in fabrics. I was like, all right. So I get to fabrics, and right as I'm walking up, a guy takes the last box. And he's like looking at it. And so I just say, hey, do you want that? You know, I, I don't, you know, we're going to talk. We're going to have a little discussion. Do you want that? He's like, yeah. I was like, I'm happy for you. So I was bummed. And so then, you know, I do what anyone's doing. If you're, if you're there, so 
So I go back to the, uh, the return place because I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that just in the heat of the moment, they just want all this stuff and they start throwing it in the car. Then they start seeing the bill, right? And they're like, oh, never mind. I don't need that portable DVD player anymore. That's what I was hoping. So I go back to the, and I, so I'm talking to all the workers like, hey, you know, you seen the little DVD players yet? And they're like, no, check the cart. So I'm, I'm full on, I'm looking in carts of returns that have already happened. The store's already been, hardly been open. So then this gal's on the radio and, and she's, she's talking to her workers. Hey, you guys seen the portable? And I'm like, this is, we got something happening here. And all of a sudden, like, I just thought, you know what? This isn't like a need. Like it's a want in every sense. And if I walk out of this store without it, no big deal. But I was kind of like, you know, I was just trying to find it. And it was, I was really into it and all that's true. And so, so then I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to ask God, like, maybe I could find it. So I, you know, I, I don't know if you ever prayed something to God. You're like, well, this is kind of silly. But I say, God, I don't really need this DVD player. But you ever prayed that? I know I don't need it. I know you probably don't even care about it. But if like one could turn up, that'd be great. And so I started thinking about like, you know, it'd be really cool if like one turned up and God, God answered that. So I was just kind of thinking about it. And I was like, do I go back to the service? I was like, no, you know, I, I'm not going to. This is getting a little out of hand. <laughs> and so I, I just said, you know, I'm just going to trust God. If I'm meant to have it, I have it. So I'm in line. And we're in this line for an hour. Two people away from the checkout line, I see the DVD box <laughs> right at the checkout stand. So I don't, you know, Samantha, my wife's with me, and I don't tell her. I'm just like, I'm going to go see if that's free, you know. So there's this guy checking out, and I'm like, it might be his, and that's how you end up on the news. <laughs> so I, but he checked out, and the DVD player's still there. And so I, I, just, I just went to the cashier. I said, hey, is that, is that up for grabs? And she's like, yeah. And I, and I just took it. And, you know, I, I just started thanking God for that. Again, he didn't need to do it. And it was one checkout. In all the store, we were just in one checkout line, and it was there. And I thought, you know, that, that actually does represent a lot of the generosity of God. He didn't need to do that. And if you didn't do it, I'm not thinking, man, God, you don't take care of me. It's, it's really small. It's not major. But that's the kind of God he is. I prayed him and asked for something that I just wanted. And he provided it. And so I went and I, it was like I walked with the box and, sit, and I was like. <laughs> it was like so awesome. I know this is pathetic, but I'm just opening up my heart to you a little bit. Okay. So I, I was so, I was so excited. And Sam's like, what? I was like. I prayed and asked God that it would turn up, and it was right on that cashier stand. And so I talked to this guy in front of me, you know, because you talk, and he known I wanted the DVD player. And so I told him, like, I, I found it. And he just starts, like, oh, and he just starts cussing up a storm, like, I can't believe you got it. And, you know, he's all fired up. And I just thought, you know, I, I, God's good, you know. And I thought, like, that's, that's, that's the kind of God he is. In the midst of everything, he's generous and he takes care of us like a father would a kid. Now, hear me. It doesn't mean that everything you pray, he's going to give you. And it still doesn't, it doesn't mean he's not generous. 
But it's a little example of God just does that again and again in a relationship where he, he shows you his goodness. And he takes care of you. And he does it directly. Sometimes it's through others. But God is always, always a giver. But you actually have to turn to him. When you have things that you want, you have things you need, turn to God. Look to him. He is the one that takes care of us. And over time, as we get to know him better, the things that we ask for change. The things that we want shift. And he takes care of us, and he takes care of us, and he takes care of us. So I just want to pray. I want to close this as the band comes up. And I just want to ask God that that we can experience his generosity. Because unless we experience it, we cannot become generous people ourselves. Let's pray. God, we, we do thank you for Jesus Christ and the best gift that, that has ever been given. And I know that it's easy to, to just kind of skate over that uh, without really understanding what that means. But thank you for the scriptures which give us hope in the midst of fear. And, and really, even now, and today, what we experience, that it, there is still no other gift that compares. It meets all of our needs. And through Jesus, we actually can experience life like we've never experienced. So God, help us to reflect on that and to really understand your generosity. So God, show us. Help us with any attitudes of where we feel ripped off, where we're full of fear, where we just feel like you don't take care of us. God, I pray that this week that we'll really see that you are a God who takes care of us. That you are generous far beyond whatever we can imagine, whatever we can measure, whatever we can ask for. So God, I, I pray that that's true. That we'll really experience it. That we won't feel ripped off, but we'll feel full of your generosity. Because only then, God, can we do that in our life and extend it to others. So I ask you to do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.